0: Hi, guys. Welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and we don't have Brian with us today, but we do have Brandon with us today. What's up,
1: Calvinist? I hate all of
0: uh, you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, leave us a five-star review. And if you're going to leave us a one-star review, uh, do it on Apple podcast so you can write a review and make it spicy and insult me a lot and come up with something creative because if you're going to bring down my ratings, you might as well make me laugh at roasting me. That's kind of the rule. Or today you can roast Brandon.
1: Uh, and that's a guaranteed way to get him to read it too if you leave a long rant and a one star he won't be able to help himself
0: that is true i'll definitely read it then i'll question my existence at night I'll have a nice essential crisis.
1: Um, so anyway, guys, uh,
0: I know this isn't normal. Um, Brandon, uh, Brandon, Brandon and Brian, that's gonna keep messing me up tonight. That's so right. Brian is unable to be with us tonight, but Brandon uh, has is a friend of mine from church, mm-hmm. actually. And we've talked about doing this for a while, um, mm-hmm. not as long as I've talked about doing other things, other projects, so you're were, you were moved up on the list of other people who are still waiting from last year when I first had the idea, so there's that.
1: Well, I got that college-level flexibility right now, so. Yeah, let's go with yeah. that. So,
0: um, anyway, guys, um, so what this is today is less of a topic. Like, you know, we've recently reviewed Shiny Happy People. We also went through the Doctrine of Hell, and normally we go through those types of things, but sometimes we do interviews, and today is an interesting interview because Brandon is a friend of mine from my church, mm-hmm. and um, we met there, we became good friends there. We realized we were of kind of kindred spirits in a sense of, like, we both equally are horrible human beings uh, with a a quirky sense of humor we're not what you normally find in church um so
1: some would say black sheep
0: yes absolutely so what's one of the things where we kind of resonated with each other um right away and uh as i got to know brandon i realized his heart for ministry his heart for the lord and a lot of things and some of his background kind of explains it i've already explained my background a lot on this uh on this podcast which is um because some people as that's probably why my personality is the way that it is a little bit more sarcastic a little bit d- darker in humor sometimes but also a, a little bit you know direct and controversial sometimes mm-hmm. um now your background will probably help some people understand a little bit of you but also i think what the church can do uh, do better in a sense like because this is this is podcast isn't to split churches it's actually to bring unity mm-hmm. and to show the fact that hard truth can be hard to hear, but also it's really good to apply. And I think some of the things that you've been through, some of the things that you've experienced can help the church maybe see things in a bit more empathetic light, mm-hmm. but also understand that like some people are just in tougher spots than others and what some people are giving up to serve yeah. the Lord in ministry. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, people like me, I mean, I want to dress like myself today. So you can see I'm wearing a Thrasher DC type hoodie. Uh, I'm a part of that skate culture. I have been since I was young. Um, people like me get neglected by churches. I mean, you drive by a skate park, you think about all the stereotypes, like the tough bad boys, underage drinking, smoking pot, things like that. Are you telling me that's not you? Might've been at some points, (laughs) but not to the extreme of some others. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people look at Jesus's disciples, look at the people he reached out toward I think skaters, people who are part of the LGBTQIA community. Yes, that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, I'll explain how I know every letter. It's from the alphabet. Um, <laughs> but people like that, most often or not, the church operates under so many presumptions that this individual isn't going to want to hear anything I have to say. This individual isn't going to listen to me. I can't even persuade them. So people like me in my situation either get neglected or just operated under presumptions
0: or certain people might just avoid it because they think that these people might be hostile toward the belief and things like that. So I think it's an important, it's an important thing to talk about. So I now spoiler alert, you have recently, uh, chosen to go into ministry. Like yes. you want to be a pastor, right? Yes. So now with that in mind, I would love it for you to kind of walk people through your faith journey, where you started when you were a child. What, what was actually, let's just start from the beginning. What is your background? What was your childhood like?
1: Yeah. So I had quite a not necessarily unique childhood in all regards. I do come from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was two, due to my father having some forms of physical and mental abuse with my mom. Uh, She left. She didn't want her son to be raised in that kind of environment. But just because you're divorced as parents doesn't mean that you don't still have exposure to both your parents. That doesn't mean you're still not exposed to toxic environments. Mm -hmm. So they divorced when I was two, moved from Chicago here to Michigan, where my mom's family lives. Eventually, my father moved up here and had some light visitation up till the age of eight years old when he lost his parental rights to see me. So early on childhood, I guess I could foreshadow I I was saved when I was about four or five years old, thanks to my grandfather, who we go to church with. Um, I I credit him to that because if not for him, I definitely would not know who Jesus is. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know really what the Bible is or who Jesus says I am, if not for his character. So shout out to you, grandpa. I know you'll be listening to this once this is out.
0: I will say this about your grandpa, Lynn. He's a, he's an awesome man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every Sunday he always, he's the, basically usher at the church. He's the one who opens up the door. We greet each other. We always have a good relationship. We, we talk, we banter. Um, literally I, I bump elbows with him. And the mm-hmm. reason why is because I'm always holding my kids. So I can't ever shake his hand. So we literally, we, we do an elbow bump, like a buddy bump. Um, I love uh, your grandpa's an amazing man. And one thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned as part of your story right mm-hmm. now, which before I don't want to steal your thunder. No, you're um, fine. but one of the things that is really important is that in, especially in Western society, we almost push retirement as like, uh, a form of like, now you get to live your best life, right? You've retired, yeah. you get to completely retire, take a seat and just enjoy the pleasures of life. Um, and one of the things I appreciate about your grandpa is that he looks at this as an opportunity to be in ministry. He helps serve in the church. He he does He's active, very active in the church. In yeah. fact, I'm pretty sure our Almost church... Almost too much. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> church would fall apart if he wasn't there. Yep. But the other thing is that it's like, look at the impact he had on your life as a yeah. grandson. And I think a lot of grandparents underestimate their power of their impact mm-hmm. on their grandkids. And you know, I grew up and I didn't really know my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is something that relates with me. Um, I don't want, but like my grandparents, they lived uh, one of set, lived an hour away. The other one lived five minutes from my house and never saw them. One lived mm-hmm. 20 minutes from my house and I never saw him except for on birthdays or holidays. So it's one of the things where I'm like, man, if grandparents understood that, like when I'm old, I want, and if my daughter has children, I want to be involved. I want yeah. them to know their grandpa. And I think that's an amazing story that your grandpa has on your life.
1: Well, and there's so much value to that as well. Now the difference, between you and me, I know regardless of anything that happens, you'll be involved in your daughter's life. Um, My father was not. And my grandpa, similar story to my own, comes from a broken home. And when he saw my parents' divorce, he said, I'm going to step in and be that male role model. And that is instrumental into who I am now. Uh, Foundationally, that doesn't mean I that it stopped me from making all kinds of crappy mistakes and things like that. As as people do, you know, (laughs) you you gotta, you gotta learn to fall on your own. (laughs) Um, but so throughout that process saved when I was about five or six years old. And was
0: it your grandpa, the one who led you to the Lord? or was that at a church service.
1: Nope. It was him himself. We were actually driving from our church back to his house. Um, and he asked me like just very basic questions, like, what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about what's, what our pastor said? And he, not like the ask Jesus into your heart thing that a lot of people do, it's a good, I think, starting point, but he led me through almost a version of the sinner's prayer. He had me, do you believe you're a sinner, Brandon? Yes, I do. Um, to the extent that, you know, I could, as a as young like person, a
0: right. comprehend
1: that. So walked through all that. And I was saved from that point. Now, here's the thing broken home. He is my grandfather. He is doing so much for me. Biblically, the father is the spiritual leader of a child. My right. father,
0: his, his father should, your, it should have been your dad. Yeah. Right.
1: And my father, nothing. I don't know if he's saved or not. Uh, I've seen him as an adult now. Um, for about 13 years of my life, I went without seeing him. We've never had that conversation. I think he might have grew up Lutheran. So to what extent that means to him, he might think he was dunked and that's all good. Um, my mom. The holy dunk. The holy dunk. Yeah, like Michael Jordan. But... Continue. Continue. <laughs> My So here's where my mom comes in. So my grandpa, biblical man, going to church every Sunday, serving actively in church, living out that Christ-like life. My mom saved, but she faced so much difficulty in that post my parents' divorce, and my mom... Apparently her entire life, she tells me, struggled with same-sex attraction. Mm. So about the time I would have been eight years old, I remember her pulling me into her bedroom or whatever for to just have a conversation. And because she had same-sex attraction, she always had different women that she'd be dating. And there was one in particular who she dated for a long time. And she asked me, Brandon, do you know what a lesbian is? And no joke, the first thing out of my mouth was, yeah, you're one mom. (laughs) 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 Which sounds like an insult in today's culture, but when you're growing up around something like that, you kind of make that connection Mm -hmm. initially. So I just intrinsically knew, I guess. And she's like, well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, a lesbian is someone who likes girls, right? A girl who likes girls and she says yes and i said well you've always had your significant other here i'll keep their name anonymous but um i you guys are together right and my mom's like yeah i'm like okay cool whatever and then i went off and played with legos or something like that because
0: legos is what every kid should be playing with yeah 100
1: yep Yep, I mean, you got one there. One I there.
0: do. You off camera, no one can tell, but there is a white Star Wars Y-wing and a Millennium Falcon off camera, right on the corners of the table.
1: Yeah, hopefully it shows you guys sometime. It is sick. I want to steal it anyway.
0: <laughs> um, Good luck, Brian. Will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> He's already named it and claimed it on that one. Oh man. We'll anyway,
1: fight. we'll fist fight.
0: Okay, he'll he can, win.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but my so my mom that relationship eventually ended and I saw her date other people throughout my life, always women. And in 2015, she married who is now her wife. I'll say that in legal terms, given that, you know, well, we're, we have our biblical beliefs. I think that's a given probably for most people watching this podcast. So, um, so she has her wife who I do love dearly, uh, she is family to me. But their marriage is not biblical, mm-hmm. so they've been married since 2015. That's about eight years now, right? Yeah. Yep. Eight You're years. mathing correctly. Uh, yeah, I'm not a math major, uh, but she initially when I came when I came out to her as a pastor, that was uh, a <laughs> Passer tables, <laughs> <laughs> right i love bringing that up uh th- things turned but we'll we'll get to that point um that's just kind of the foreshadowing so growing up with a mom who's a part of the lgbtqia plus community and yes i do say every letter i know people like to say things like the alphabet people and certain terms like yeah that'll get us to laugh i get it um I don't do every letter and say that because I identify or agree with it. But for me, I say things like that as to build rapport, because the minute I start using certain rhetoric, that destroys relationships. Right. So I want to still keep that because at the end of the day, that's my mom. I love her. And whether she's gay or not, she's made in the image of God. Right. Plain and simple. Right and all, Christ
0: died for her, same as everyone else. Yep. so and you want you want to you show love and you can't do that by always you want you need to pick and choose what you're going to disagree with and it's like, okay, I can at least say letters. Yeah. I think is your mentality there, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. And we all express our sexual sin differently. I would say that I think I've read Leviticus 18 and I know we like to quote that as being like homosexuality is an abomination. Correct me if I'm wrong, Will. We can whip out a Bible if needed. But at the end of Leviticus 18, after it talks about all the sexual sins, it lists all of them preceding it as an abomination before God. Mm -hmm. So if you've committed adultery, if you've looked at someone lustfully, if you've coveted any pornography, um, certain other forms of sex yeah <laughs> yeah let's yeah, that let, way. Let, let's let's skip those uh they're all listed as an abomination before god so if you've sinned in a different sexual way than a gay person i'm sorry but god's looking at you the same way
0: well because sexuality is uh, it, the difference is between like what am i acting out right so sexuality it's like okay so if i fornicate that's sinful and if i commit homosexual acts that's sinful I love it the way um, I've heard it put before, which is God calls everyone to the same sexual standard. Yes, which is one man, one woman, and one marriage for one life. That's, yes. that's the same. That's one sexual standard. So, a straight person who wants to sleep with sixteen people, well, guess what? That's not within God's permitted purview. Just like being in a homosexual homosexual relationship is not within God's purview. Mm-hmm. So, there, the, we have to understand that sexual chasteness. I've kind of stopped using the word of like sexual purity and that's because of purity culture. Yeah. And that, that's kind of like, uh, I just said rhetoric matters. Right. And and, yeah. And and like purity culture, because of sexual purity was emphasized so much. Now purity almost has like a distasteful sound, which is oddly enough, not very pure. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like purity itself was tainted with that word. So I like to use like sexual chastity or sexual discipline or anything like that. I've, I've kind of shifted the terminology there, but we're all called to be sexually chaste and mm-hmm. disciplined, right? And that can be very difficult, if, if depending on your background too. Like for example, uh, someone like yourself was raised in a home where biblical sexuality wasn't enforced and it wasn't taught properly. Nope. So that can be very difficult to deal with because now sexuality is it very, is looked at very differently in a home like that mm-hmm. as opposed to a home where you have two evangelical Christian parents or Catholic parents or whatever, Everyone's going to view sexuality differently and how that's taught. So now you were raised in this home, right? You were saved. At, you said five, six-ish? Yep. Okay. And then your mom told you all this when you said you were on eight. Is that what you said? Eight or yep. 10? Okay. Yep. Um, so you got all that going on. So now what was what was that like for you as a young boy? Because you don't really have a father figure. Yep. You know, so you don't have a male figure who's relating to you in that male sense. Yep. You are being raised essentially by two women, yep. right? And your grandpa.
1: Yep. So, yeah, so grandpa would have been the strong real male role model. Okay. Um, Closest thing I had to. Now, my mom, to say it, it felt more being raised by a single mom who happened to be dating women. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we would live with people she would be with and, you know, at that point, I just cared that they treated my mom right because I knew what my dad you know did when you were a child. And too. I was a child. And part of my story, uh, a lot of the things that my father did with my mom happened to me. Um, at a young age, before he lost his visitation rights, which would have been around nine, 10 years old, something like that, um, he remarried. And him and his wife were both abusive toward Mm me so to the point of um, one of the biggest traumas in my life was we were in a pool thing i had a fear of water like a lot of kids do and i know there's that old-fashioned well just throw them in and then you help them if they need to um something similar happened with me except it was my stepmom his wife took me out into the water to get me over my fear of water and held me under the water so that I could learn how to hold my breath.
0: Oh, that, and, that seems like a great way to not feel traumatized. Yeah, great trauma. Yeah, something Very
1: similar good. happened to you. That's called abuse. Um, <laughs> it's not teaching your kid <laughs> like you might want to think. I remember blacking out so to the point where when I finally came to After that, I was clinging to a ladder, crying, screaming, and that trauma carried on for a long time to the point where like when you have a young kid, you got to encourage them to take a bath or a shower and you teach them to be cleanly. And that happened and I was being encouraged to take a bath and I kept refusing and I was with my grandpa for the weekend. She was like, can you make sure he takes a bath? Well, he's there. And I refused and he had to spank me, but that was like the only time I was ever spanked. He didn't know why I was refusing kind of thing. Cause I had that trauma right beforehand. Mm-hmm. And eventually I told my mom what happened, uh, in great lesbian anger. She, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, she, she blew up. Not on my grandpa. Well, a little bit on him at first for spanking me, cause, but that's not his fault. He he didn't know. Right, right, right. Um, but she blew up her solution. She handled it very well, though. Uh, went to friend of the court, uh, got me in therapy, and through that, my father lost his visitation rights. So, all that and my mom went the extra mile so that I wouldn't be afraid of water by getting me in swim lessons. So she like checked all those boxes like he is going to overcome this through any means necessary. And not to just teach me how to swim, but to teach me how to overcome.
0: Like overcome fear by facing it, by the yes. proper controlled environment. Yes.
1: Yeah, and that's a very, uh, I I love her so much for that. Mm-hmm. She, she was, there was some imperfection And obviously there's the biblical sexuality stuff that I didn't get to see from her.
0: But there's also that point where Christians have a tendency and, you know, I probably guilty of the same thing. I think we all tend to be as human beings because we tend to, that tribalism is a thing, right? Like we tend to be like, oh, there's this and there's that. But um, that whole thing where it's like someone would hear the story of your mom and be like, so she's he lesbian. Grew, he
1: grew up pretty messed up, didn't he? Yeah, and they just toss
0: it right out as opposed to like, well, that's there's more to his mom than lesbianism.
1: Yeah. In fact, in
0: fact, one of the biggest critiques that Christianity has of the LGBTQIA community. If you just
1: shorten it to LGBT, you're good.
0: I, I was say <laughs> LGBTQ, but whatever. Yeah, they keep um,
1: it'll it'll change again in a bit. And I know I give them credit and talk about rhetoric, but that's just the nature of that community yep, that yep. acronym is constantly changing, yeah, which,
0: which has its own implications. Yep. But, but the thing is the LGBTQ community, like, so one of the biggest things that I say is a problem with that community is how their sexuality is their whole identity where bingo, be they, it's like, well, I'm gay, I'm gay, or I'm trans, I'm trans. And so therefore we have to put rainbow everything. We have to not just be accepted as such, but flaunt it. And you have to be okay with my flaunting and you have to do things as I, I as I ask you. Yeah. So we see those are problems, which I agree they're problems. I and actually too. a lot of people in that community agree that it's a problem. Yep. Um, my
1: mom would be one that agrees that's a problem in right. that
0: community. But, so, but think about it. If a Christian just goes, oh, your mom's a lesbian, and they just see lesbian, are you not doing the same thing?
1: Which, let me talk to you, all of you listening real quick. Um, you hear my mom's a lesbian, I would assume at least 70% of you and you know what they say about assuming, but probably think, oh, his mom probably is a certain appearance, short haircut, dyed hair, probably dresses masculine, so on, so forth.
0: Majorly overweight.
1: Yeah. My mom is none of those things. My mom is super feminine, super cleanly, dresses very girly. Um,
0: when I first saw a picture hair. of your mom, I was like, that's your mom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was,
1: I was legitimately surprised. Yeah. And believe it or not, her wife, same exact way they're both feminine lesbians together. Right. Like very strange. But you operate under as that presumption to, as
0: opposed to like the stereotype. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, the point is here is like if when, cause I know the thumbnail is going to portray this a very particular way. That's gonna make people <laughs> go like, ah, but like that, that's kind of the gotcha moment, right? Like yeah. if all you're seeing is lesbian, then then you're kind of removing all the other parts of the human being, because if you don't want them to identify with just their sexuality and that make, become their whole identity, don't do the same. thing. Don't do the thing. same thing to them, right? So anyway, your mom, from what you've told me, has been uh, in many ways a good mom, uh, you know, in the areas that she's had control over yep. um, as far as like, you know, controlling your abusive environment, things like that. Yep. And of course, there's some comings and goings, but that's the part of it. Like you said, we yeah. mean, it's kind of a single motherhood thing. So, yeah, it maybe it wasn't like it wasn't your it wasn't an ideal home situation, but it also was she also stepped in when she needed to.
1: Yeah. And I never doubted that she loved me. Right. And that she cared about me. And, and look that out She for valued you. me. Right. So.
0: That, so now, what do you think as far as a man is concerned? Because you know you are you are you are a conservative Christian in many ways. That would, that would be, be an you. accurate statement. Yep, yep, you're a conservative Christian, which means you actually hold the very uh, conservative values. Yep, um, including um, like you are a standard like pretty standard complementarian. Like yes. male's a leader, female is like his helpmeet, um, equal in value, different a role. Like you you have a lot of those like mm-hmm. s- those belief systems,
1: which I did not for most of my life, so, which makes sense. Given that environment, there are some things stereotypes are safe for.
0: Right, right. So now the thing is with that, do you think that that has in a sense, like hurt your masculinity or at least have, you've had to reshape your masculinity to some degree? What do you, what, how, what was that like? Cause there yeah. is a sexuality part there where it not necessarily is sexual in, in, in just the sexual act, but also in how we behave due to our sexuality like as a man versus a woman how a woman might conduct herself versus how a man might conduct himself did you do you think that set you at a disadvantage to some degree flesh that out a little bit for me
1: i I would say there was a disadvantage there um we are meant to come from a male female monogamous marriage household and a lot of it um I'll, i'll say this though i there is some fear that gay parents make their kids gay. Not the case at all. My mom remembers me vividly. I remember it too, asking her or mentioning that I think certain females are attractive from a young age. Uh, there was nothing ever forced on me. Yet I was never really in touch with that masculine side of me until much later in life. Until about 16, I was very, very quiet, not outspoken. I, I would talk whisper more often and people would ask me to repeat myself a lot because they could not hear my voice i was very which also might have been a sign of the abuse that i had Mm. initially from a young age um sexuality scared me in all honesty i was afraid i was afraid to have sex Um, because of hearing the trauma, my mom went through part of my thought was, I don't want to ever make a woman feel uncomfortable. So I'm just not going to do anything, even though I have this attraction. So it was almost like shoving something down that I need. That was, that's a good thing that
0: you should, that's okay to pursue.
1: Yeah. So I was almost uncomfortable with that end of it. Like how, how do women perceive me? Even though I saw the mistreatment of others, and I knew I would learn from it. I, I kept repressing it. It was though this is something I can't do. Nope. And I was never big into the sports and stuff like that. I had my interest in skateboarding, basketball, things like that, like that most young kids have, but I didn't really pursue it because I didn't feel like I fit like. Like I fit this mold of what those athlete kids were like. I felt like an outcast. So I would never try out for the basketball team. Hence skater like kid. Hence skater which kid. Which
0: is a net, which is, it's funny how skater kids are, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I don't fit in with the main group. So I fit in with this other main group. <laughs> it yeah. is, it's kind of funny how that works. Like skater boys yeah. are kind of that way.
1: Yeah. Well, and they're very
0: Avril Lavigne here. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs>
1: But I I felt accepted by that community, and eventually I became one of the, not just skaters, but the emo kids. I had the literal emo fringe covering one eye.
0: Nice. That was my
1: look. Wore all black all the time. I still wear a lot of black, but I I was that kid because I, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. I didn't like myself, things like that. And it wasn't a phase, mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a phase. It's just who I am. Do you think that some of that
0: was because of not having a father figure? Yes. Okay. So yes. because you didn't have that sense of masculinity that gives you that confidence and strength that you might yeah. need, you had a lot of the nurturing side, yes. which is important, right? Like you, it's important to have that nurturing side, but perhaps you didn't have enough, of that masculine side to give you that self-confidence and strength that you need. you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and I had grandpa there the whole time, but the influence of a grandfather is different than the influence of a father. One, well, also one lives with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a big
0: difference, right? Yep. Like,
1: Yeah. So I would see him on weekends and he'd encourage me, try and play catch with me, things like that. And because I wasn't so used to it on a regular basis, I would not want to participate in that stuff. So given my circumstance with a single mom, single moms sometimes get frequent different jobs, move around a lot. And that was the case with my mom. We were trying to survive. And at 16 years old, I ended up moving in with my grandfather. And that is when the shift happened. This is to no fault of my mom or no blame toward her, but I needed that masculinity. And when I moved in with him, the shift completely happened. I felt more comfortable in my own skin slowly over time. I started actually going out of my way to hang out with friends because I had never done that before. I didn't know what that was like. It was hard for me to do. I could speak in a tone and volume where people could understand what I'm saying. And I, I credit that to that shift of having that masculine influence. And,
0: and also just going out on your own a little bit, right? Leaving yeah. your main comfort zone into a yeah. new one that can push people yeah. um, to do things that they normally wouldn't have done. So yeah, yeah that's that's so yeah, I, that's very cool. Am I allowed to ask what made you move in with your grandpa?
1: Yeah. So my, I also don't want to
0: pry too much, but
1: no, it's it's okay. My my mom had to move again. I finally felt like I was starting to be in an environment I was comfortable in at my high school, and I. I bold of me but i was like mom i can't move with you again i have to stay here at all cost and she was moving about 40 something minutes away from where i was going to high school so it turned into some fights because i am her son and i'm i'm her little boy she didn't want to let go of that and eventually it came to her saying "I'm, i'm okay with this i'm gonna let you do this um and grandpa said that he's not driving right now but i will make sure he gets to that school because even my grandpa he would live just out of district but close enough where he could drive me so until i got my license which took me a while for about a year and a half every single day he would drop me off and pick me up from school because he saw the value that it was to me going there and he wanted to be able to provide that opportunity for me. And also that's not the first time he's done things like that for different people in our family.
0: Yeah. Your, your grandpa is very much a servant type. I could see that he
1: is the definition of servant in every capacity. Pause on that topic as well.
0: Just so for anyone who might be older who's listening to this, um, by the way, there's something weird with the lighting. I don't know what's going on. It, like, it's getting very high and very low. Um, so, anyone watching on YouTube, I apologize for the strobe lights. Seizures may.
1: It's a rave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, but if you're old, you know, if you're an older person listening to this, consider also now, like, because of that, him introducing you to Christ. Him taking an active role in your life. Mm-hmm. Now you started a ministry to be a pastor, and you have your entire life ahead of you. You're in, you're in Bible college right now, like going through seminary essentially, and then after this, you're going to be pastoring churches and impacting lives. Now the thing is, is I want a grandpa to think about this. Any grandpa or grandma out there, your impact. You don't know what's going to happen. It was also Timothy's grandparent, like his, his mother and his grandmother. grandmother who put him on the right path. So I was like, just, just think about that. If you're like, oh, I'm not doing any good in my older years. Uh, you know, it's all, all my best years are behind me. That's that's far from true. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to keep hammering on that, but no. it's just one of those things I love. And, so and I'll going. say this
1: even beyond, because this is a good segue point. The seeds you plant as a grandparent or just anyone in anyone in anyone else's life. The seeds you plant, you're not always going to be there to see them grow. And they don't always grow as quick as you want them to. True. 100 Which was my case. So I move in with him and I see this growth and I start experiencing God more. Grandpa and I start our own little Bible study, just him and me reading through. Um, the first full book of the Bible that I read through was the book of James with him. Good call. All right. Yep. Good book. Um I don't recommend it as a starting point <laughs> in all honesty, but it gave me some good stuff. Um, I usually but, recommend John. Like, yeah, that would have been better. about
0: the love of Jesus and God. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I saw how short James was. And I was like, oh, this will be easy.
0: That's a pretty heavy th- Pretty heavy stuff in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And now us three going through it in church right now. It's uh, It's been a... Yeah, there's, there's a lot more, and even more that can't be covered on a Sunday morning. Right, right. So we go through this process, because I still believed in God. I had faith. But by the time I hit my senior year and witnessing other Christians and their behavior, not at our church, from other Christians at other churches, hearing them say things about gay people, call them FAGS, um... All, all this stuff saying they're going to hell, their sins, taking them to hell that rhetoric and just that grossness and dirtiness and that attitude and seeing the hypocrisy in ways that they would be living their lives. Friends that I would have who claimed to be Christian who were putting down gay people, but then sleeping around mm-hmm. um, or smoking cigarettes, smoking weed. Cause I was not doing any of that at that time, early high school. And I was just like, I, I, I love you, God. I love Christians. I hate church people hate had one person. I mean, so often I would hear, what's it like having a gay mom? I don't know. What's it like having a straight mom? I have nothing to compare it to. It's a, it's a, <laughs> like, real, I don't know. It's my Monday. It's my Tuesday. It's my Wednesday. Yeah. It's my life. I don't know. Yeah. Um, one person, how does it feel to know your mom's going to hell? And I'm like, my mom professes faith in Jesus. I thought all sins were forgiven kind of thing. So obviously, points of contention here. Some could debate right, these points. Right. Out. I was going
0: to say, yeah, now granted, I know there's people on this program that will land on either side of that, but yeah, m- honestly, it's like, oh, what's a sin is a sin, obviously. But point is you have a young man who's, this is his mother. This is where he's at. Mm-hmm. And you're going in like, like what kind of level of heat is that? Like, like does yeah. it feel like your mom going to hell? holy cow, dude, like, have you tried to build rapport? Have you tried to understand the situation? Have you tried anything else besides this? Like, Oh, let me just try to bring up like a horrible thought and then just see how he feels about it. Like, yeah, that's really twisted. Like, how does um, it feel that your cat died yesterday? Oh, not very good. Okay. Well, that's probably what it feels like if you ask me that question, like, thanks for bringing, like, yeah. you
1: know what I mean? Like, it's just, sp- and that did not come from my peers. That came from one of my peers, parents, an adult. See, that's my, I was up. the kid in that scenario. Yeah. And that really stung, so I just get, gave up on all the church stuff. We have a body for a reason. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but going to a church and having your group of your brothers, your sisters helps. And when I stopped doing that, that's when the issues start happening.
0: So when you when, when you forsook the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, um, things. Sorry, like he percent yeah. twenty five. when they started falling apart for you, uh, spiritually speaking, that should communicate a lot to yeah. people. Where it's like, okay, granted, you made that choice. You shouldn't have separated yourself from church. No. Okay, obviously, and I know you wouldn't think so. And I know you, you're a big advocate for the church. You're obviously studying to be a pastor. <laughs> pretty big advocate for the church. But the point is that the way someone responds to you on a young man who has less discernment, who is less knowledgeable of such things, who is, has less wisdom to be able to make those categorical differences where they need to be, that is just such a big turnoff. You just start looking at it all as bad. I know because I did, mine was like not quite in your situation, but similar yeah. enough to where I was like, ew, I hate church because oh, that's what pushed me away. Because I was didn't have the wisdom nor the wherewithal to know the difference, right? Of the mm-hmm. fact that hey, you know what? Sometimes Christians can be really poopy, but the church is really good. But not all Christians are great. Just because your pastor, Braxton Hunter, the pastor of my seminary, uh, the the president of my seminary, he recently always got to put the plug in. Yeah, I do. But uh, I got to get good grades, so I have to suck up. But um, <laughs> but he he said like he just recently like tweeted out like just because your pastor is a dirtbag doesn't mean Christianity is. Isn't true, or just it doesn't mean that Christianity Christianity is false. Well, just like that, just because church people are crappy doesn't mean the church is bad itself, yeah, right? It's It's uh, but you don't know that when you're a kid. You just you yeah. just see groups, and you you know not all kids have that instant discernment so i find that to be an interesting part of your story because i think it's easy for people to realize like dude you realize like getting to know maybe that kid who had the lesbian mom and getting to know him and showing empathy with him then sharing your concerns for his mother's spiritual state would have probably been better than just throwing a hand grenade at him than expecting him to take it well yep you know what i mean yeah
1: so anyhow and then when i'm young i'm constantly committing logical fallacies and reasoning so it's like oh, that's how all Christians are making hasty generalizations and things like that. Right. And uh, that's the process I went through. So as I distanced from church, I started to get my value and other things, not who God said I was. And for me, that was dating. So women and hey, same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, It started off slow. I I would date and get my value from that, and we can do a whole psychoanalysis on, well, you're you're trying to be the father figure that you never had, so you're seeking out a mate to, yeah, probably accurate. You can surmise the rest, I think, if you're listening. So I would go in one relationship. My first girlfriend in high school, I was still pretty innocent with. I didn't do anything besides like a kiss. Um, She ended up cheating on me, and I was like, oh, crap this sucks. So in my mind, it's like, okay, well, I have to be even better boyfriend for the next or so on and so forth. So I go through these cycles and relationships would end either because I wouldn't have sex with them. I wouldn't smoke weed. I wouldn't like do underage drinking. Cause I still had the roots from my grandpa and what God says a good Christian does. I really I put myself under the law is what Mm -hmm. I did. I created my own form of legalism apart from the church. And it was as long as I'm not doing these things, that means I'm right with God. As long as I'm not sinning.
0: I mean, they're good indicators that you are obviously walking with God, of course, but also you're equating a couple like, okay, these Are the bad things that mean I'm not walking with God, but then also means you could probably overlook these other sins hanging out on the back burner. That yeah,
1: and I might have figured that out if I kept going to church. (laughs) (laughs) Fair play. (laughs) So me making the decisions I made, I ended up having to just learn the hard way. It wasn't until I got to my senior year high school where this all came to a head. So I was 18 at that time. Dating a 21 year old who I had met at a job I was working and we were together for about a year and all those boundaries came up again. And at first it started with underage drinking and uh, the boundary came up. Well, hey, we should do this. And I was 18. I was like, I'm sick of people leaving me for not doing this stuff. There's no way it's that bad. So I started drinking didn't really do it too heavily at first um with this person even at all but i would do it on occasion um there was one time where i did do it in excess and i reaped what i sowed. (laughs) so hangovers
0: suck (laughs) yeah
1: oh it was worse than that so projectile yeah yeah, kind of
0: um Save me the gory details. I'm good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Remind me to talk to you more about that later. Off air. <laughs>
0: That's not for you guys. That's for me to know. Yeah, right.
1: Um, so I, I crossed that boundary. So what's the next boundary? Well, throughout that process, everything that was going on in my life, I was struggling with depression, anxiety. And her kind of logic was, well, weed helps with anxiety. You should do that like the whole media likes to portray now. Right,
0: right. Even though studies show that actually people who partake in it end up experiencing more after the effects wear
1: off. But keep going. Yep. So I started smoking weed with her. And I wasn't doing it super regularly, but enough where I was like, I should not be doing this. I remember doing it and going to a state fair and me not being in touch with my masculine roots. I didn't know that at the state fair, the animals and the pins that were being auctioned off were being auctioned for slaughter. Oh, cool. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, it, you know, city boy ignorance. Yeah.
0: not really masculine thing. That's more of a geographical yeah. Yeah. cultural thing. <laughs> so
1: I I'm high at a state fair. I find that out. I start bawling in the middle of a state fair. So you can tell I'm, I'm not batting a hundred. It's a funny story I have, but, <laughs> I'm not doing the, All best the country I
0: boys. Are like, Oh, look at this city slicker. Yep. I, like, don't you notice what happens to animals? Do you like to eat your hamburger? Well, where do you think it comes
1: from? Yep. <laughs> so, so I have a panic attack in the state fair high on weed. And after that sex is just another boundary that's easy to cross. So I ended up giving in to that temptation And eventually, um, that relationship didn't work out. It it became super problematic. Um, That's a whole other story. But after all those lines were crossed, relationship ended. I dated other people. If the line was all right crossed, why wouldn't I just keep crossing? I was gonna them?
0: say it's actually one of those things I tell young people regularly because they're like, you know, the sexual curiosity there. It's like, well if I if at least I experienced it, then I'll know then it's the there won't be as hard later to say no. I'm like no 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 because it becomes increasingly easier to keep just crossing those lines that God created. That's like, no, that's supposed to be for this, but you can just keep because once you've done it once, oh what's another time? What's another time? And now you're confident in it because you already know what you're doing as opposed yeah. to scared. And uh it should be one of those things that two vulnerable people do on their wedding. Uh mm-hmm. at, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like, so I tell people all the time, I'm like, dude, once you cross that boundary the first time, it's so much harder to keep yourself yep. chased um properly. So keep going. It's just yeah I want to add my tidbit youth pastor bit in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that and that stuff's important and more young people need to hear that. Again, if I was going to church, maybe that would have clicked with me. Well eh, the church w-
0: is pretty bad at teaching about sexual practicality, but keep going. Uh,
1: true. Um But I crossed that line, get into another relationship, cross that line again. And then in the last relationship I was in, it all came to a head. Um, This would have been during COVID 2020, this person I was with for about a year. And there was so much going on at that point. So I might not have been living with my mom. She got a job out of state. So there was my one parent. She moved to a different state. I felt that disconnect. COVID, I could barely see people unless I was working. I was working retail at that time, but that's not the same. Couldn't see my friends. Couldn't see half my family, my mom. One of my closest mentors at that time when I was in college, retired and moved out of state.
0: And this was not Bible college, just so everyone's aware. <laughs> yeah,
1: this, this is, was community college. Yep, yep. I was going to school for music at that time, but this man poured so much into my life, and I, he was gone. I, I was falling apart. And then toward the end of all this, the relationship I was in, we had a pregnancy scare. So she, she missed her period for three months. And we're pretty sure she's pregnant at this point, um, but the tests keep coming back negative. So we're like, well, what are we going to do? I, I said to her, well, how are you feeling about things? What, what What's our next step? Do we move in together? Do we do so on and so forth? And the first words out of her mouth is, I want an abortion mm. without without hesitation. And I was like, okay is this a discussion or is this what you're doing?
0: Because in the Western world, especially in America today, we talk about reproductive rights, but really the only person with reproductive rights is the woman. So she can make a decision and the father has nothing that he can say about it. Right? So even though it took two to tango, really the power is lopsided. You, you have, she chooses to do that. You lose your child period.
1: Yeah. And I, I was wrestling with this so much, like, well, this is a life, this is sacred. I still had the that foundation was still there, even though I was not living it out. And I was, and my immediate thoughts were like, well, I'm going to be the worst father than the one I had if I end a kid's life and do nothing. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. So That's,
0: that hits different. Okay, keep going.
1: So i i'm I'm mulling this over freaking out, and she finally gets her period, which tells me one of two things either that she never was pregnant, that maybe it was a birth control issue that she was on, or that it might have been a miscarriage. I'll never know right after that happened, she broke up with me, mm. And there was the last person in my life that I thought I had held on to because everyone else would leave no matter what, no matter how close I grew to them, no matter how hard I loved them, no matter checking all the boxes of what a good, what a good boyfriend does, significant other. And she left me just like everyone else did all the way back. the beginning with my dad now he might not have left me directly but he left my life so what's the point in living if every single time I love someone they leave the only person I had left was my grandpa he's in his 70s he'll leave me too that was the conclusion I came to so I bought a gun and I had it sitting on my dresser, staring at me for about two weeks until I finally walked up the courage to put it to my head. And I, I was like, this is now, this is now, this is now on repeat. Now's the time. Do it, you coward. Do it, you coward. And that kept being what I was thinking until I felt an overwhelming presence come over me and almost lower the gun. And it just said, not yet. No, I'm not a charismatic person by any means. But I believe I had the Holy Spirit in me then. Showing me that there's at least one other thing I need to try. So I got my grandpa. I gave him my firearm. I said, you need to hide this from me now. I told him everything that I was going through and he's like, okay, I'm like, please just don't send me to a mental health institution. Please don't. I, I don't want that. And that's a whole other topic of issues and how that stuff is dealt with. So, and he respected me enough to not do that. Some people probably should have been placed in a situation where they could. So I said therapy didn't work for me self-medicating all that didn't work for me i am going to try god one more time but i gotta do it my way so the only pastor i really knew well at that time was grandpa's pastor so i asked him can i can i talk to him so our pastor i had a four hour conversation with and the whole time it was really just focused on me sharing. And then eventually it wasn't a, you need to come back to church more. You need to start doing this ABCD. You need to get in your Bible more. You need to pray more. It was none of that. All that he did was tell me who God said I was. He pulled out scripture. We went through small passages, went through things like, while well, you're still a sinner, Christ died for you. Romans 8.1, I believe. Um, all of that, and I started realizing, ironically, God didn't expect perfection out of me. So he told he didn't tell me the one thing I didn't need to hear, which was come to church. So I didn't come to church. I started studying and getting in God's Word on my own. Real quick
0: before you start going you're on a roll. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I wanted to ask you real fast, is once you realize that God loved you anyway, even though you're a sinner, you'll never be perfect. So stop pulling mm-hmm. yourself to the level of perfection. Did, that is a freeing moment, I think, for many people because mm-hmm. they realize, oh, th- goodness, thank goodness I can stop the performance. But did it work for you the way it worked for me, which is because of that, it's, it drove me to want to, though, because of God's oh, love.
1: It made me want to sin less.
0: That's what I mean. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. It makes you, it made you want it, to obey more. Yeah. Cause you're like, thank you. There's no
1: pressure because if I fall down, all it is, is
0: get up my child.
1: It's taken care of.
0: Yep. You're okay. Keep moving.
1: And I, yeah, I still sinned. I still struggle. I still sin today and I struggle. Don't we all, but it's okay now it, it's forgiven. And it's about, it's about progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. And I started making progress. Eventually I came
0: Sanctification, right?
1: I I came to our church and I heard a testimony. I I came on Easter. It was our friend Anthony. I'll name drop him. And testimony very similar to mine of these struggles of self deprecation and hating yourself and realizing who you are. And that's all I needed to hear on a on a Sunday was someone being real for once. So I started coming every Sunday. The invitation came to join the men's ministry team at our church. And I started attending that.
0: I remember, uh, when Anthony gave that testimony on Sunday, yeah. on Sunday morning, I was, so I joined the church during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I stepped down. I, I went on my sabbatical pre me, like retiring at, yeah. at door. Um, I did that in 2020. Like the sabbatical, I was on my sabbatical when COVID hit the U.S. Oh, wow. So suddenly I'm getting texts like, hey, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, guys, I'm on a sabbatical. Y'all figured out that we were When we said you could go off on a sabbatical for a minute, we, we did not intend for there to be a worldwide virus. So anyway, this was kind of a funny thing. So anyway, when I stepped down a few months later um, as pastor, um, I switched to frontline. But because COVID is COVID and it was so weird for churches, um, I didn't know who was regular attenders, who were visiting attenders. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the church members there. So it was so weird my first year there because I didn't know if you were new to the church. I didn't know if I just had just met you because it's a bigger church than the church I was at. And it's mm-hmm. just it was just such a weird time. So I remember when Anthony gave that, um, and I didn't put two and two together until much later, that that was like the beginning of your strong spiritual journey. Yeah. So anyway, keep going. I apologize. Yeah,
1: and, and I remember briefly after i'm in men's ministry about four four months and that's when i first got to know you was at a gathering a men's gathering we had where we had small groups and i shared what i was going through and and you shared part of what you've gone through and i identified with that and i was like wow more people are struggling there are more real christians out there than i thought Mm -hmm. like People who are like me, who don't have all the boxes checked and figured out A, B, C, D. Yeah,
0: I remember that because I was I went to that men's gathering. Remember, 2020. Yeah, and I don't know many people in the church because 2020 things are just weird. And um, and my, also my wife and I had our kid in 2020, oh, yeah. so I had this newborn, and so we always sat in the very back corner, right by the double doors, just in case the baby started having mm-hmm. fussing or whatever, we could just slip out. So we didn't know a lot of people at the church. We knew, we knew uh, Paula and Melina because they also had a baby. And so we were all in the back corner together and we're all our little back row Baptist corner holders. And um, so when I was at this men's gathering, I remember like Pastor John would talk about people at the church all the time and I only knew a few of them. And mm-hmm. I, so I went and Oh, it was funny because he's like, "All right, well, I'm going to have you do this. Well, I'm going to have you go in this group." And I was like, "I literally know nobody in that group except <laughs> for that guy who greets me at the door. I do know him. You know, that was your grandma. That, that was it." Yep. So, again, this little group, I'm like, "Oh, this is this other young dude here?" And that was funny because, like, that was like one of my first like yeah. introductions, even though I'd been going to the church for a while. At that point, I didn't really know
1: anybody, mm-hmm.
0: so that was a, it. Was a funny way that we connected. So, yeah, um, keep going. I apologize. Yeah, and so. that's
1: and that's when that started. And a couple months after, I remember us talking at church and I, you mentioned a podcast. I'm like, oh, I'll check that out. That's about the time I started listening through the next couple of years. And it's like I got to know you more and then I got to know you more at church. So relationship building there and I'm going to church and I start going there and all these little things line up so perfectly. And... I ended up meeting who is now my fiance. I ended up meeting Megan throughout that process. Megan
0: getting married on August
1: 5th. Yes. Okay. Yep. And so excited. She's awesome. I love her so much. She's hilarious. Uh, if If you end up listening to this, I love you. And you are the best person I know. I know you don't listen to podcasts too much, but I hope you tune in tonight, hon. Um. Sorry, I had to put that. You're in good. There. So, I, no
0: love, no love. Your future spouse, work less. Don't talk to her. Come on, man. You, you go
1: suck. <laughs> anyway, so I, I meet her. We start dating. Things get serious. I still struggle with certain sins, things like that, but I'm making progress. And then I go through what was basically my last year of studying music. And as much as I loved music and I was succeeding, I was given the opportunity to conduct in some of our choir concerts. Things Which, by like the that. way,
0: you were succeeding in music when you were not, like, inculcated in it as a kid. Like, you, yeah. you had to... Really, be a pathfinder. You had to carve yeah. your own path because you were not gifted in that area nope. naturally. You weren't raised in, with it. Nope. You like jumped in the deep yeah. end in college. Like you hadn't taken nope. no music beforehand, right? Before no music, experience before college. No experience. Which most people have like a lot of music behind them before yeah. they go major in music. They kind of assume that when you start music programs. Yeah. So for you, it was I, I just wanted to give that background? Like, <laughs> as a musician, that like the, when you told me that, I was like, this guy is insane. Like you're nuts oh, quite literally. Yeah. Like crazy. So anyway,
1: well, I, I go to school for that and because I'm like, I love music, music heals. That's all you need to feel good. Till I found Jesus. Um, but yeah, I didn't even know when you went to school for music, that what you studied was classical music. I just thought, Oh, you just learn what music is so on and so forth. And anyone can be a musician. I was foolish. If you're thinking about going to school for music right now and you're listening, don't. (laughs) As much as you love it, it is so hard. Obviously do it if you feel called to it, but... But don't. But just like ministry, you don't make a lot of money in it either. So
0: (laughs) consider where you're going.
1: Consider where you're going. I get out of that because my last semester there i started skipping my classes to read the bible i was taking out loans for college classes skipping them to read the bible that is a stupid waste of money
0: that is a stupid waste I of money i still
1: feel like a moron for that i could have at least went to the classes and took them but i skipped them to read the bible so i I have a coffee shop that I would go to. I would start on a little bit of homework if I had it. And then slowly the laptop would just shut and the Bible would open. And I just started reading straight through the Pentateuch.
0: That's a, that's a, that's a heavy read. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I, people would always share stories. I'm like, I barely know that I know Adam and Eve and I know Moses because I've seen Prince of Egypt. <laughs>
0: So like this whole thing was like a really big growth experience
1: for you. Yeah. So I get through the Pentateuch. I probably should have started with a gospel that would have been smarter. But as you can see through my life story, I don't make smart decisions anyway. (laughs) I'm on the church split podcast right now. Yeah. Just (laughs) truly
0: foolish decisions. It's like I have a glowing... Future in ministry, bro. You're on my podcast. You're burned now for life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll be labeled a heretic too by the end of this. Who cares? Eh, Jesus right. was labeled a heretic. I'm not saying I'm Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But what I am saying is, historically speaking, people might not like people yeah. who challenge the
0: status quo of their day, but are right.
1: Yep. And Jesus yes. tended to do that a lot. So
0: I'll take that as validation. Yeah. Keep going. I would say
1: you're. Your podcast mission is in line with Christ likeness. So
0: hopefully. Yeah. I don't know if we're Christ like all the yeah. time. We're kind of snarky, but Calvinists
1: might disagree, yeah. but I, <laughs> <laughs> progress is even more so even more. So anyway, I, I poke fun at that. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ sidebar, but
0: you do have late a picture of late flowers on your uh, mantle. So
1: late. I hope you're listening. He's not, (laughs) trust me, he's not. He's busy making his own like three-hour
0: episodes. Trust me, he doesn't listen to anybody's. Yeah. Oh, homeboy Layton. Anyway.
1: I I go through that process, skipping classes, read the Bible, reevaluate, and make the decision that I, I feel called to ministry. So because I was dating Megan at that time, not yet engaged, things were really serious. I asked her, I said, hey, I'm thinking about going down this route. I know there's some implications here if I go down this route as far as our relationship goes. I want to know what your thoughts are. And she got the biggest smile on her face. And she said, I've been waiting for you to say that for months now. (laughs) I was like, you've been waiting? Why? Why haven't you said you think I should drop out and go this direction instead? And she looked at me and she said, you had to be the one to say it.
0: Hmm. Some wisdom there. Yeah. God, uh, God I mean, there, that, there's a reason why God created male and female. Yeah. W- us
1: dudes were just thick in the skull. We're, we are literal bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Even like I'm an emotionally sensitive dude. I'm still a brick.
0: We know. <laughs> trust me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you've been listening to me for however long now. I hope you gathered that. Anyway, uh, she says that I talked to our pastor he gets a big smile on his face and he said, Oh, you're in for a wild ride. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. Well, I remember when you told me, I was, I, I, I was even surprised. I was just yeah. like, yeah, I was waiting. I, I think I said something to that too. It's like I was waiting for you to say that. Like yeah. I said something to the effect of like I'm not surprised. I've been.
1: That's what a lot of people said. Apparently, I don't know how to look in a mirror and read myself,
0: dude. It's it's fine. We we all get there eventually. My dad told me for the longest time he was praying that I'd become a pastor, and I kept laughing in his face. Yet here we are. So really, who gets the last laugh? Me or my dad? My right. Dad, my dad right. wins. My my dad wins. Much to my chagrin. Dang. Anyway, keep going.
1: <laughs> So I, I go through that. I'm in. The, I go to college now, not yet seminary. Just going to a Christian university for my four year degree in biblical studies. My plan now. I think I want to go where you're going, Trinity for the win. Because um, I've looked at other seminaries, and you just want
0: that because Layton is a professor there. That's all you. That's shout reason. out Layton. Um,
1: <laughs> but. Uh, I I want to go there for one reason for online education. It'll be mm-hmm. easy as I start to start a family and things like yep. that. Not easy. It'll be more functional right. in my day-to-day life. And I mean, I, I look at the degrees that are offered and I'm impressed by the staff there and their podcasts, their content, all that stuff. So that's where I'm looking, but I digress. So I'm going down this path now. I feel like I have to condense everything because I grew up without this stuff, but I feel called to ministry. I love people. I feel called to being a pastor for all that entails, the the preaching, the relationship building, the counseling. I want people to have that foundation that I did not have.
0: Well, also, you've seen what the gospel, what, what a relationship with Christ does. You saw, you've seen how it changes lives. Yeah. You've experienced that life change. Same thing for me. You already know my story. Mm -hmm. It changed my life to the point where I could, I cannot think about my life without thinking ministry being somewhere in it because I know what it was like to be alone. And I knew what it was like to not have the love of Christ and that in my life. And I want to keep introducing people to him. So I, I, yeah, I get it. Like it's that same like fire that burns in both of us, I think. Which,
1: Which brings everything full circle. I want people to be at a better starting point than I was. And I want my family to have a better starting point than I had. Which brings me now to my mom. She's a part of a community that has so much disdain with the church. She claims the name of Jesus, but she doesn't go to church. I haven't seen her pray. I like to think she believes, but you can judge a tree by its fruit. so that's my passion that's why I care about apologetics that's why stuff like this matters I have to live out this stuff with her a couple months ago I remember having that call with you when she first found out I was going to be a pastor she was nervous then she was happy because she thought I was going to preach the gospel of love and acceptance and then she finally asked the hard question that I knew would come up at some point will you marry gay people when you're a pastor and I took a weak approach at first. I was avoiding the question, kind of. I said, well, I'm not really becoming a pastor to marry people. I don't care about doing that too much, which is true. That's not the main reason I'm becoming a pastor. I think marriage is an awesome thing. But I care much more about the other stuff. That's my passion.
0: Trust me when I say officiating weddings isn't all this cracked up to be. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> that's not
1: my favorite. Well, and now planning a wedding, too, it's stressful. So she asked me that. And then she gets a little more direct. She says, let me ask you this. If me and my wife weren't married and I asked you to marry us, would you? And then the verse that immediately popped into my mind was, you need to hate your mother, hate your father. You need to love me more, that whole concept. And I know that doesn't mean literally hate. Right, mate. prefer less or whatever. Prefer God more. So I said a quick prayer in my head in the five seconds of silence. I said, God, I choose you. And I told my mom, no, I would not. And she was hurt. She didn't yell or curse or anything like that. We debated it out for a bit. I obviously have more of a scriptural foundation because I'm active in the Word. So I was able to quote and use that. And I used that conversation as an opportunity to yet again share the gospel with her. Throughout that process. And we came out of it good while she disagrees with me. She says, I disagree with your reasoning. My reasoning's biblical. (laughs) I don't get how you disagree with something that you don't act. Anyway, I choose God still. And I view this as an opportunity to minister to my mom by letting my life be a living testimony and sacrifice to God. So when she's in town and I see her, she has a gay bar she likes to go to, and I go with her there, mostly because I'm her chauffeur and she wants to see her friends. So I'm like, okay, I'll bring you there. I'll go there with you. So I, I, a straight male studying, to be a pastor will go into a gay bar and I go there with my mom and every single time I'm in there since this journey started I've had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone in that bar I don't know what they've done with it but the last time I was in there was about two months ago and I shared it with this guy who grew up in the church and he still believes in God he still professes Jesus But he said, I'm gay, and this is something I'm always going to struggle with, and this is the only way I feel okay is if I'm still participating in it. And those are the things that break my heart. So for anyone listening, when you choose to distance yourself from sinners, you got to do what you need to do for yourself, But if you are the stronger brother that Paul talks about and you're willing to expose yourself to those things, it's not just an opportunity, but I think you are obligated. If not you, then who? Hmm. They are made in the image of God, just like every single other person on this planet, whether they sin differently than you or not if you have that family member who you don't want to talk to because they struggle with same sex attraction how would you feel if jesus didn't want to talk to you because of any sin that you dealt with
0: yeah i mean when you think about it too it's like cuz it's always says like well it's all part things always going to be a part of me so is that whole, like, well, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, which is why we're told, always told, die to self. Mm-hmm. Die to self. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's that constant killing of your flesh so that you might live in the spirit. And that is a hard thing. I mean, so that's like with, with people in this community, you know, like, well, I, I know I would only feel right if I do this. But I mean, think about anyone's secret sin or whatever it is. A lot of people are like, well... God, I'll give you everything, but this one thing I can't give up. Yep. Well, then, are you truly living with the Lord? As a, these are good. These are questions. That, I mean, people, theologians wrestle this sort of thing, right? Like, can mm-hmm. someone profess faith while still living this lifestyle? Are they saved at all? Were they never saved to begin with? Are they saved but just backslidden? There's like a lot of debate, and I'm not here to answer that debate today. Yeah. Um, my my point is is that so at least hear it and go, wow. You know, maybe I should reach out to those people. I know there's uh, there's people in my life who are who have been or homosexual or uh, safe sex attraction or whatever and people have wanted me to completely cut off contact with them but I have refused to because I'm like no there's still a chance for the gospel of Christ to win here and um, well, and at
1: what point do you draw that line you have a friend who struggles with alcoholism do you cut them out you have a friend who struggles with pornography do you cut them out
0: Right it just starts going into what level of that? Now, is it someone and then is someone claiming to be a brother hanging out in the church and then living that lifestyle? Well, that's a bit different because yes, Paul says yes. at that point, don't even break bread with such a one because he, clearly you're not part of this. You're not living a sanctified life nor striving to. Yeah. So there's a difference, right? So there's a difference between the world being the world mm-hmm. versus the church wanting the world in it mm-hmm. uh, and being not just part of it, like not just in it, but of it, right? There's a bit of a difference there. So proper context um now one thing i really quickly wanted to hit on before we wrap up was one of the things i thought was interesting because so of course i got to know you early on in the church there um when anthony shared his story and you related there but one of the things i found really interesting and i think it it shows how in many ways opposites attract as far as our friendship is concerned even though you and i have similar like broken we both have similar broken backgrounds um, but we, we both have different personality types. Yes, um, I tend to be very type A and direct, um, and you tend to, and I tend to be very like heartless and many people accuse me <laughs> of, my wife says I'm a robot all the time. And, uh, and you're very emotive and yeah. you're very empathetic. Um, and so, and uh, by Which the Which it's
1: like, side note, I know him more personally than some of you listening. Um, people can come off that way, you might come off that way to some, I know for a fact you have emotion. Oh, for it's sure. Just, you process it differently than other people.
0: Right, right. I I put in like a logic, like I I, I process it through like bullet points, essentially. Yeah, that doesn't um,
1: make him emotionless. It just means. God designed him differently than you, so he processes differently than you.
0: Well, I think what was funny was that, so I teach my unapologetic class that yeah. I, I taught at the church. So I'm going through arguments for God, arguments for the New Testament, uh, b- different beliefs, uh, pro-life apologetics. I did all these different things, and which is funny because that is very, a very direct medium for teaching and preaching in the church. And it's very much like, this is right, this is wrong, let me explain fallacious thinking and it was funny when I thought you started attending said class. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because there was a few times you were just like, ah, like, i yeah, not a fan of how he said that.
1: <laughs> loved, loved the content. Presentation was a little, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> presentation was questionable. Welcome to the story of my life. I was yep. like, huh, you wild kid, but keep going. <laughs> um, or shut up. But, uh, <laughs> but one of the things I thought was interesting as well, because you, you, and this goes to show where apologetics comes in. Someone like in your situation, in your home environment where you are raised and with your mom, where, where you're constantly having to teeter this whole, I'm trying to honor my mother. Mm-hmm. But I'm also trying not to be okay with a sinful lifestyle. I'm also trying to be a light for the gospel. You're, it's, it's a lot to balance. When, if you haven't had a parent that is in immorality, trust me, I say you're lucky. Because once you once that happens, it really puts you in a spot where you're going, yeah. okay, I'm trying to balance this out. Where's the line? You know, um, so it was, I think it was one of those things where apologetics was a big deal for you because it was one, giving you reasons for the faith that you already had, but the faith you were always told and giving you information that you needed a long time ago. Yeah. Would you say I was, I'm correct on that? Yeah.
1: If I would have had half of that from, I, I dare say from that point of salvation when I was about five or six years old, that's when that stuff needs to start. hmm obviously you don't go into like the Kalam cosmological argument with a five-year-old. Cause all I have to do is a say, dense. honey,
0: something created something. Okay. Like in order for creation to be someone had to create it. Okay. That's enough for a five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you, you build on that,
1: but that stuff is foundational right. to defending your faith
0: and making it real, like making it just more than just something conceptual, but something that's anchored into reality that pertains to reality mm-hmm. all the time. And then also it was funny because you were it was one of the things that threw me off uh, when it, when you and know, I first started becoming friends was when you were like keep challenging me with that directness because I'm just dis- I'm naturally disagreeable and direct and you were like I need that like, I need what? that and you are like you're like I'm from a background that's all accepting and pluralistic you're yep. like I need somebody who's willing to do that and it challenges me and it's funny because like you talk to me after you talk to your mom and you're like Will you were like pumped almost, but also like grieving. Like there was a, you were very emotionally conflicted, Yes, but you were like, I did it. Like I, I did a disagreeable thing. I defended my faith, but it also didn't end in disaster. Like, and I just remember that was a big growth moment.
1: Yeah. I would have never done that at the start of my faith. Mm -hmm. And I think this is
0: why it's so important. I hammer on this all the time. Churches need to bring apologetics in all the time. Yeah. I agree. 100%. And,
1: And people need to be Okay being challenged if you are uncomfortable with uncomfort you need to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable
0: yeah 100 no it's you have to constantly be putting yourself out out of your comfort zone
1: yeah that's the you only grow when you are uncomfortable that's the only place it'll happen and throughout my life looking back on all of it uh i had to learn to be uncomfortable a lot And have conflicting thoughts and ideas thrown at me constantly. So when I met you and I developed my friendship with you, I know you have like truth and grace people, people that border one side more than the other. I know I'm a grace person. I need truth people in my life.
0: Well, likewise, I need people who are grace people because I'm that person who tends to be a a nail a hammer in search of a nail, and it's that's why like whatever now when I'm right when I'm writing out responses when I'm thinking about how to say something a lot of times I'll run it past someone like you or my wife who tends to be a bit more connected to the heartstrings and make me yeah. make me sound a little bit more likable because here's what's funny is I read it I go yeah it sounds pretty good and someone's like reads it like wow that was intense I'm like really. I thought that was pretty, it's not that pretty he's, tame. It's
1: not that Will's trying to be mean. It's just he's very direct. <laughs> so it took me a little bit to figure that out. And that's I think that's
0: where that balance comes in of understanding where the body is needed because – we need both sides of that to be under to understand how to properly balance each other. Yes. Certain people are naturally balanced by nature, and I hate those people um, because I'm like I'm very jealous of people who can do that. But most people are not. Most people have a tendency one way or the other. Yep. And I think it is helpful to have that. So, the, um, with that being said, you as Christians who are listening or watching this right now. Push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm -hmm. Understand that not everyone's story is like yours, and it can be hard to figure out how to walk the Christian life a little bit when you're put in some of those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, is there anything you would like to close out with? Any final thoughts?
1: Apologetics matters. a lot. That's real. If I had some of these foundations and these defenses from an early age, and a good body surrounding me, it would have made all the
0: difference. I firmly believe the same thing about my story too. Um,
1: What you say to others matters, especially as a Christian, you are under a lens. We are under lenses constantly. The world is watching and that might sound scary, but you chose this life unless you're a Calvinist.
0: <laughs> Why, are you the- <laughs> Why are you like this?
1: I can't take you anywhere because I know it'll make you laugh.
0: Um, <laughs> it was all serious and down,
1: and they just had to make a... <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> if the world's predestined or not, in some capacity, everyone affirms a free will. Make your choices ones that glorify and honor God. And then, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right.
0: And I think people just need to be, think for a second, be a little bit more sensitive to what others could, what their lives could be before they open their mouths. You and I were talking earlier about, we both know uh, there's an interaction at our church once that, where somebody interacted with somebody, not quite knowing their, his, their current history, And if it was anybody else, it could have caused a big fire, and it didn't. Thank goodness. Yep. Um, And I definitely know. I've had moments where I've opened my mouth and inserted my foot um, where – even though what I said was true, but the way I said it or to that person was definitely not what that person needed to hear at that time. Or I could have said it in a way that would have been more appropriate. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm growing like everybody else. Um, Sanctification. If, yeah, back to that. So anyway, guys, um, I really hope this is helpful for somebody. If nothing else, I just like having people on to share their stories a little bit because we have different people on from different Christian backgrounds on all the time. And it's interesting to hear different people's perspectives on their stories because – man we are so vastly different from one another our our backgrounds can be different they shape us differently they make and it's funny because we all come to christ for different reasons but yet it always has the same result a feeling of acceptance of yeah. meaning of purpose of of hope and the, it has a lot of the same at, like results it's just the way people get there can be a bit different depending on what your background is Um, We've had a lot of people on from fundamentalist backgrounds. We've had people on from like pop evangelical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And then we've had people like you who are from, from a very liberal progressive background. And uh, coming into biblical Christianity, it's a, it's a bit of a 180 there. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm I literally, every time I open that book, I read something I've never read before.
0: <laughs> Which is why you're Bible college, right? Yeah. Um, I love it. You're, you're, you had mentioned I, a few I, times, I, you feel like you're so far behind the eight ball compared to all yeah. your peers. Because all of them were raised in church some like or Christian schools or homeschooled by Christian mm. parents and all this stuff. And then there's, then there's Brandon who's like, I just try to make sure I understand Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to barely keep up right now. <laughs>
1: but I think the healthy part of that is I question things a lot more than a lot of those people. And you don't just
0: take things hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, like You, you uh, start seeing where the biases are, even yeah. in theology.
1: You go, wait, yeah. I don't think that says that as clearly as you think. Yes. I, I do that a lot, almost too much. You're, you're less instantiated. Where it's starting to start issues, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's that. those are some of my favorite moments was when you'd swing by sometimes on like a Tuesday night or something. I remember. Yeah, you just I open w- up your textbook and be like, look at this trash. <laughs> <laughs> You're like,
1: it completely denies this theory of atonement and says it's invalid. But I've heard your argument for it.
0: <laughs> Although, and I've also read some Irenaeus who literally said that same thing within you know the first – you know, very beginnings of the church. So, anyway, yeah. but anyhow, that's another story for another time. Uh, my my mm-hmm. hobby horse is the atonement. Anyone who knows me knows that at this point. But uh, anyway, um, so guys, uh, let us know what you think down below in the comments of what you think. Um, About Brandon's story. Some may, maybe you guys have had similar family members or situations that you've had to wrestle with. What are some ways that you have found solutions to that? What are some ways that you have found effective to reach some of these people for Christ? And what are some of the biggest growth areas in your faith? Those are some of the stories I want to see below in the comment section. Like, what are those big 180 moments that happened to you? Because you've had a few, and this was, you just mentioned 2020, bro. That was like three years ago, you know, and that uh, a lot of this turning point happened. So, what were were, some of yours? Um, and otherwise, thank Brandon for being on. Um, Brandon, we appreciate you coming on. Um, maybe we'll have Thanks you on f- me. further on as guest. As a guest would be fun. Um, as, as you grow in your, in your journey as an as a, as a upcoming pastor, as someone who is passionate about the Lord, someone who I know is truly loving and really, truly embraces people, um, but also challenges them in the gospel. It's one of the things I've, I've appreciated about you. You're very much like, I accept you as you are, but I also expect you to change once you are introduced to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a neat thing that you have that I think as uh, a perspective not a lot of Christians always have, but one you do, and it's because of your background. And I think if people understand your history a bit more, they'd understand that about you. But just in general, I think it's an important ministry, what you're doing. I know you have a real, real heart for the LGBTQ community because mm-hmm. of your own background. You really want to reach them for the cause of Christ. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how some of those things were like, Satan may have used to deceive somebody and push them a certain way. Mm-hmm. How God can take that very thing and flip it around and use it for his own glory. and Christus uh, Victor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stomping out evil and yep. bringing in the light of the gospel. And I think that, that your story can help share that. So, anyway, um, if you guys haven't already, like and sub to The Church Split. Maybe one day Brandon will start his own podcast. Uh, but until then, you guys are just going to have to stay tuned. So, anyway, guys, take care. And God bless. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this. we got to be strong. we got to be healthy. When you want to feel nice and strong and satisfied, you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also want to thank Free Life Soap, because I don't know about yes. y'all, but I got a new shipment of soap in. Yes, I did. Yes, sir. And it was great. Or this. Hi guys, my name is Will and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. For that, to get to that momentarily first, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show.
1: So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video content a whole month.
0: You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.